And now we address this passage again, maybe one more time. I say that, but I tell you what, it, it is so good. And it starts in verse 9 through verse 11. You can follow me in your Bible. And Paul says, and this I pray, and I want to remind everybody that uh, for some time now, I've been sharing with you what it means to sow to the Spirit. What an awesome subject that is. And I never dreamed that I would just keep on and on and on related to this, and I'm sure I just wouldn't be able to exhaust such a subject as that. And of course, one of the ways that we sow to the Spirit is in our prayer life, because we're told that we don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit leads us and guides us, and He puts things on our heart. And what I was sharing with you was that there are several passages of Scripture where the Bible says someone, and most of these is the Apostle Paul, says, this I pray, this I pray. And so I believe that we can learn from that, that these are things that we can pray for. We can pray for because it's in the inspired word. And so this is one of those ways. And I had asked you back sometime if you wanted to make a list of the things you could pray for for somebody else. I encourage you to do that. But I've been on this one so long, probably everybody's forgot about that. But this was one thing that Paul said he was praying for. He was praying for the Philippians that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. What an awesome thing to pray for. And I pray that for our church family. Paul was praying it for a church. I pray that that our love may abound yet more and more in, all, in knowledge and in all judgment. And that word judgment means just simply discernment, ability to decide what's right and what's wrong. And then there were some rewards that come from that. Verse 10 says that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Jesus Christ. And that ought to be our desire because one day we're going to see him face to face. We're going to meet him face to face. And all of us are going to give an account for our life, for the stewardship of the grace that he's given us. Then we've been on verse 11 for two or three Sunday nights. And this is just an awesome verse. And it's part of the rewards of growing. The rewards of growing. And he says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the praise uh, to the glory and praise of God. That ought to be the motivation. That ought to be the motivation. In other words, if I'm thinking about my walk as a Christian, and I'm thinking about what ought to motivate me, it ought to be that, the praise and glory of God. So if I grow, does that mean that I bear more fruit? And exactly what it says, not only is it a blessing to me personally, to grow in knowledge and in judgment, in discernment, but also that I may bear the fruit that brings honor and glory and praise to my God. Now, that ought to be the motivation. Now, if there are those who don't care about that, then this verse doesn't mean much. But for all of you who do care about that, this verse should mean a lot.
So what I was doing last Sunday night was sharing with you what it means when it says fruit. What is fruit? What is fruit? It's uh, almost like the Sunday morning message, what is good works? And uh, Brother Jim come to me and said, well, there was, there's one thing about that. And I said, well, yeah, I know. I had that wrote down, but I never got to it. Uh, and, and I was making the point that good works are rare when we define them by the Scripture. And you pray for me because I don't know if I'll try to finish that or not. I've been in that context so long, maybe I ought to move on. But uh, uh, we think good works, a lot of people call good works certain things and it's not according to the uh, definition that the Bible gives of good works. And so the motivation here is unto the glory and praise of God. So what are the fruits according to the scripture? And I'll ask you to go back to the scripture we stopped on. It was in the book of Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. And I know everybody is familiar with this. Galatians 5 and verse number uh, 22. And here's what Paul said. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now what that means is that when the Spirit is working in us, the Holy Spirit is working in us, He produces certain things. The, the Holy Spirit does. And so they're listed here in this passage of Scripture, what those fruits are. So if I want to, if I want to bear fruit to the praise and glory of my God, this is one of the things I'm going to have to look at. The fruit of the Spirit, and he goes on to say, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. And what I was sharing with you is that there are categories of these fruits. There are categories. There are four of them. And the first two I had shared with you. The first one is grace gifts, and that is love and faith. The second one is personal blessings, which is peace and joy. And uh, I shared about that, peace and joy being a uh, personal blessing that comes from the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we're going to have it. We don't get it no other way. Is peace and joy. And one of the men told me after church service was over that that really touched him to know that those are two things that are indescribable. I can't describe them. It's peace that passeth understanding and joy unspeakable, full of glory. That's something that the Holy Spirit puts within us. And the value of that is unspeakable. It really, really is the value of those two. Now the next one is our lifestyle witness. And I believe that's the best witness that anybody has, is lifestyle. Uh, I've run across a term over the years, it's, it's uh, lifestyle evangelism, lifestyle evangelism. In other words, God can take our life, the way we live our life, and you, you remember the Bible says, let your light so shine that others may see and glorify God. The best evangelism is lifestyle evangelism. People ought to be able to observe things in our life that make us want to be that way. And those fruit are goodness and temperance 
and meekness. Goodness and temperance and meekness. Those are the same things that people would notice uh, about us. Uh, goodness, temperance, and meekness. And the last category is how we deal with others. And of course, those two are really closely related. And one of them is long-suffering, and one of them is gentleness. Long-suffering and gentleness. Now, we know that long-suffering is patience. And how many of you would agree tonight that the people we engage with from time to time, we need patience dealing with other people? We, we would agree that that's a wonderful blessing that the Holy Spirit gives to us, is patience and gentleness. And it just simply means being good to people, just being good to people. And you might remember I made the point uh, in a previous message that being good to people is something that will come back and bless us. You be good to people, they'll be good to you. You know, we all want to be... Uh, treated, we want to treat others like we want to be treated. And the Bible says that. And so that's a good thing there. So those are the fruit of the Spirit. And they are not something that we produce. They're something that the Holy Spirit produces. And this goes with a statement that's made in this verse. I would remind you that it says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. And you know, I, I preach that all the time. That if there's anything good in me or anything good in you, it has been produced by the Lord. You know, he, he chooses his children and he works in them. Remember all the messages I preached about grace. And it's effectual. It works. It's more than just uh, uh, God's riches. It's more than just uh, God's riches at Christ's expense and, and those definitions we give. It is a force that works in people so it brings about the will of God in the lives of his children so that it's by Jesus Christ. These things that I've shared with you are by the Holy Spirit. They are what the Holy Spirit produces in us and so we ought to be delighted about that. Now another way that is fruit, uh, the Bible talks about the fruits of our Lips. Let me share with you a couple of passages of Scripture. These are in the book uh, of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter number 3 and verse 16. Uh, and that's probably not correct. Chapter 3 and verse 16. I'll just read it anyway. Uh, I may have written the wrong one down. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. And that doesn't have a thing in the world to do with the point that I've just made. But it's a good verse of scripture. And uh, I, I hope to be able to find the one that I wanted. But another one's in the 13th chapter. And I'm pretty sure this is going to be uh, applicable to the point that I'm making. And the fruits of our lips. Verse, chapter 13 and in the 15th verse. And here's what the Bible says. By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Now we may not think much about that. The way we talk. And especially when we are discussing uh, something that has to do with Christian life, or something that has to do with what the Bible says. And so, the, the fruits of our lips. 
I know where that 3.16 is, and I want you to look in the book of Malachi. Uh, and it's one of my favorite passages of all the Bible. And it's in uh, the last book of the Old Testament, uh, right before the book of Matthew. It is the book of Malachi, and it's chapter 3 and verse 16. And I got this one right. I got it right. I just looked in the wrong place and I had written down the scripture passage in the book of Hebrews and thought it was Hebrews chapter 3, 16. But it's in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16. Then they that feared the Lord. What did they do? The Bible says they spake often one to another and the Lord hearkened. I want you to know that when two or three or a group or whatever uh, speak of the Lord, he hears it and he hearkens to what it. And it says a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord. Now, I've made this remark quite often related to this verse. God don't have to write anything down. God knows it all anyway. He's omniscient. He knows everything. But it says this, and this is figurative language, of course, uh, to indicate to us that God pays attention to that. And he, a book was written uh, before him uh, for them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. And then it says that God speaking, they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. So that's important. And Hebrew, the Hebrew writer calls it the fruit of our lips. How many of us think about the fact that God is tuned in to everything that we say? Not only everything we say, but God knows everything that we think. He's constantly aware. He looketh upon the heart. He reads the heart. This is an interesting passage, and I think that maybe I've told, told this. Uh, I, I know I tell things uh, sometimes uh, that I've told before, but it means something to me. Uh, I, I, I attended a funeral one time, and this little baby uh, had died. The little baby had died. I can't remember whether it was born dead or maybe lived a few days and died or whatever. And w one of our church members, one of the ladies, it was her grandchild. Now, I didn't know the mother and father of that little baby. But I, w I attended that funeral because that lady, it was her grandchild. And I was a little bit late, and uh, I walked up to the door, and uh, somebody opened the door, and it was that grandmother. And she said, oh, Brother Thomas, I am so glad you're here. And I wondered, what in the world? Why did she say that? You know, and I, I mean, I'm glad that she was glad I was there. But I could tell it was something a little more urgent than that. And the preacher that was supposed to do the funeral, he forgot or something. He was not there. He had not shown up. They was waiting, giving him time to get there or whatever. And she explained that to me. And she said, can you preach this little baby's funeral? He's not going to show up. And I said, uh, yes, I will. I said, I will. And... Uh, you know, I'd not given any thought to preaching that little baby's funeral. Uh, but I told that grandmother, I said, 
uh, I'd like for you to do two things for me. I said, delay the funeral services and get the mom and dad. I'd like to meet with them in a room by ourselves. I, I would like to, you know, I'd like for, the, for their sake, you know, to this strange people preacher that they didn't know was going to do that little baby's funeral. And I wanted to talk to them. And I wanted to, and I said, and the second thing I want you to do, I didn't, I don't have my Bible. And I don't have a Bible on me. That weaned me from that. Ever since that time when I attend a funeral service, I've got a New Testament in my pocket. I said, would you tell the funeral director that I need a Bible? Well, (laughs) she bought me a Bible. And you know how I am. I love the good old King James Version of the Bible. And I just don't like some of these others. Some of them, I just don't like them at all. And he brought me, I guess, one of the worst that they were. And, And I thought of this passage of Scripture, and I thought, that's what I'm going to preach from. And I got up there, and I read that. Then I told the folks what that really said. That was, it was that bad. I told the folks what that really said. And I, I told the folks, I said, I didn't have my Bible. They brought me one. I didn't like that. I don't like what it says. I don't like the way it describes that. This is what this, this means. And so I took that statement, they shall be mine when I make up my jewels. And that's where I took the text and, and I, I brought the message uh, for that little baby that had died. And it was kind of funny that after I had brought the message and people were going to pass that little casket and that little baby. And this lady, uh, she was near the end of the line and she had gone out in her truck and got me a good old King James Version of the Bible. <laughs> she said, here preacher, take this wicked to the cemetery and, and I understand, I know what you mean. And so every time I think about that passage of Scripture... I think about that story, about that story. And like I said, every time I attend a funeral, and I attend a lot of them, I've always got it right there. And uh, I, I think about, you say, well, preacher, that'd be hard. I don't know if I could do that or not, just on the spare. Well, we had, a, we had an old preacher one time. Some of you might have heard of him or known of him. His name was W.B. Bingham. And he was a pastor of the Binghamtown Baptist Church. And of course, I went to school down there. And he would come and preach in the chapel every once in a while. He was some character. He was almost totally blind. And he had a big magnifying glass with a real strong light in it. He'd get it down there and get right down next to the Bible to read, read the Scripture. And he told us all one time, he said, Men, the Bible says... Be ready in season, out of season. He said that means you preach at the drop of the hat and you drop the hat. And so I never did forget uh, what he said. And so that's happened to me several times. We One time years ago, we had a, a, a visiting preacher uh, in, in the church that I pastored was supposed to come and preach. And it come time for church to start and he hadn't showed up. To this very day, I don't know where he was, what happened or whatever. I didn't even bother to call him and ask him because I thought, well, if he ain't no better at keeping his appointment than that, I don't really care to know what was the reason. And so I got my Bible and I turned to the 139th Psalm. 
and went to town and uh, the Lord helped me a lot. And you might say, well, how do you do that? I I think it's being familiar with the scripture. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I had an old preacher tell me one time, he said, I don't need to prepare. Now, I didn't like that because I prepare as if I don't know nothing. I do. I really do. You ask Sue, I spend so much time in preparation uh, to bring a message because just to be honest with you, I think, not because it's me, but I think that's just about the most important thing is a word from the Lord, from God's Word. A word from God's Word. I really believe that with all my heart. But he told me one time, he said, I don't need to prepare. All I need is a couple of Scripture passages and go to town. Well, that's fine, and I can do that too, but I would rather pray about it and ask the Lord to show me what I'm going to what I'm going to share and everything. So if you wonder why that I preach so long from one verse of Scripture, it's because I give a lot of thought to that. I've been thinking about that. And I, and I think this is something that folks would be blessed with. If they really care about the praise and glory of their God, they're going to want to know about the fruits and how I can be filled with the fruits of righteousness. So, one of the ways, according to those two texts that I shared with you, is the fruits of our lips. God counted them as fruit. The fruit of our lips. And so it's a marvelous opportunity to talk about the Lord, and talk about His Word, and even to witness to people that need to hear the Word of God. So the fruits of our lips... And then another thing that I found related to the subject is that giving of our material blessings or material wealth in support of the Lord's work is counted in the Bible as a fruit from on our part. Counted as a fruit. It is a fruit. And so I'll share with you a couple of passages of Scripture that I think bear that out. If you look with me in the book of Romans in chapter 15, Romans chapter 15, and I'll read from verse number 25 down through verse number 28. And here's what it says. But now I go to Jerusalem, Paul says, to minister unto the saints. You see, the work of the church is not only to take the gospel into all the world, but it's also to minister to people. Because it says, in teaching them to obey whatsoever things I've, I've, shared, I've told you. And he says, I go to minister to the saints. And it hath pleased them of Macedonia and of Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. And of course, as you know, early on, those poor saints in Jerusalem, there was a lot of them. They suffered greatly as a, uh, a result of them professing Christ as their Savior and following Him. And then it said in verse 27, And it hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have, made partake, are, have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister uh, unto them in carnal things. And that's material things. And so he, he m- mentions two things that are there in that verse. 
there are the spiritual things, but then there are, and he calls them carnal things, and they're material things. And so we have the opportunity oftentimes uh, to bless people materially and help people materially. You see, our church has what we call a benevolence fund. A lot of people, I don't say much about that, but most, and most people may not know what that is. But you know, if one of our members is in need, we're able to help them and nobody know it but myself and maybe one deacon and of course our wonderful treasurer. <laughs> he needs to know. And none of us ever tell anything about that. Our benevolence fund is, is not known. So if, if, our, if we have someone that is uh, in need financially uh, and everything, that's what we do. And we have some policies related to that. We help, we help our members in that way. Uh, if someone outside our church family, and of course we have a lot of that, and we have a lot of requests for help, uh, uh, financial help, and we have a policy. We don't give anybody money. We just don't do it. In this day of drugs and everything, we don't do it. If we help someone from outside our church family, we may pay their electric bill. We may go down to the grocery store and get them some groceries or other ways. And I've told stories about, about that. Most of the time, when I'm sorry to say that, a lot of times requests from outside our church family and our community, you have to be careful about that because you know they use that for something else if you give them money. One lady called me one Sunday afternoon and preacher, we're in trouble. I said, what's the matter? We're traveling from so-and-so to so-and-so, and we've, we've, we don't have any money, and we are just about to run out of gas. We need, if the church would, to give us money to gas our car up and so we can continue on our journey. And I said, well, we have a policy. We don't give nobody money. We may meet with you if you're need is legitimate and we may go and put gas in your car or I tell you what I've got a five gallon can plum full of gas I'm going to go put it in my trunk right now and I'll have it with me when I come to church on on Sunday night for the evening service and you be there in the parking lot and I'll put five gallon of gas in your car never showed up <laughs> didn't want that gas evidently wanted money but Never showed up. I could tell you story after story about that. I think I've told this story one time. My son Greg had an extra refrigerator, and he asked me if the church could use it. And I said, well, yeah, you bring it, put it in the furnace room. And he did put it in there. And I was mowing the churchyard, and this van pulled up, and this fellow got out, and he said, oh, preacher, I, I'm, I'm in trouble, said uh, my, my, he told two or three of his family members that had medicine and uh, maybe a kid with uh, diabetes and uh, different things like that. And he said, our refrigerator has conked out and it's an urgent thing. I need to get a refrigerator and I just like $75 having enough to get it. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't have $75 and our church doesn't give people money. 
But we'll see. And I said, oh, wait a minute. I've got the answer to your problem. I said, you come with me. And we went down to the basement and went in the first room and we took that refrigerator out and put it out on the concrete slab. And I said, now here it is. You come and get it. You've got yourself a refrigerator. Months later, (laughs) it was still sitting there and I gave it to somebody else that needed a refrigerator. So a lot of times that's, that's the case. But here in this passage, ministering to the carnal needs, physical needs, and sometimes they are legitimate. Sometimes they are. Every once in a while I stop and think, um, you know, I, I, I hate to tell <clears throat> this, but there have been times that I gave people money. And, uh, you know, every once in a while I think about it. Uh, this, this lady that I, I mean, I, I went to school with her. I knew her. She come to my door one day and gave me a big spill. And, and she said, if you'll please loan me this amount of money, I will bring it and give it back to you. That's been years and years. And I've not, I've not seen her yet, you know. And, uh, but I, that's all right. That's all right. I give from my heart and how somebody might respond uh, to that's a different story. But he goes on to say, uh, our duty is also minister to them carnal needs. And he says in verse 28, When therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come uh, by you into Spain. In other words, he said, this was a fruit. He's going to seal to them this fruit. Fruit from who? Fruit from them that gave it. It was called fruit. And then another passage of Scripture uh, related to that is in this book of Philippians. And it's in chapter 4. In chapter 4 and uh, verse number 15. Verse 15 through verse 19. And I'll read that. Chapter 4. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Now he's talking about uh, contribution to the ministry. That's what he's talking about. And then he goes on to say in verse 16, For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. And then he says in verse 17, but now because I desire, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. In other words, he didn't, he didn't need that, but he did desire fruit to their account. Um, I told somebody not long ago, the subject matter was people that wanted to give us things. And give us things because... They care about us, and they believe that would be a help to us. This is I'm talking about one Christian to another. Has anybody ever given you something that you didn't need? And sometimes you hurt somebody's feelings if you say, oh no, I don't want that, I don't want that, or whatever. And I told this person, I said, take it for their sake. You know, even... Even if you think you don't need it, if they want to give that to you and they want to bless you with that, that's a fruit on their part. It's what it is. And that's what the Bible is, is saying here. 
He goes on in verse 18 to say this, but I have all and abound, I am full. You see, Paul didn't need that. He said, I'm full, having received from Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing unto God. It was well-pleasing unto God that they gave it. You might say, well, Paul didn't need it. He should have sent it back to them. No, he shouldn't have sent it back to them because it was a fruit on their part. And so uh, God counts that that way. He goes on to verse 19 to say, By God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Boy, that is a powerful verse of Scripture. God shall supply all your needs. Boy, there's been times over the years. Did you ever go to the grocery store and you had to go around and figure up what different things were going to cost and then figure up to see if you had enough money to pay for it. <laughs> Your preacher's been there. Your preacher's been there. <clears throat> and I'll tell you what, a little sack of soup beans will go a long way. <laughs> but sometimes it happens, you know. But you know what I've always known? That God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, that's been the story of my life. That the Lord has always provided for my needs. I've not always got what I wanted. There's a world of difference between what you want and what you need. And you young people need to learn that as you grow up. There's a difference between what you want and what you need. And I've told this before one time. It was Addison. And she come to the, our house. And you know, this is the way grandchildren act. When they come to uh, Nanny and Pappy's house, uh, they, there are certain things they want it. They like this, they like that, and they know they can get it. You know what I'm saying? Sue always has this dispenser on the counter full of M&Ms and little cups sitting there on the counter. And what that's for, and you hear it rattling. You know, you hear it rattling. And when the grandkids come, they take them some M&M's home with them. They know that's there. It's been there for years and years. And when it gets down empty, she fills it back up again. And, uh, but Addison was, I mean, not, Ad, uh, not Addison, but it was Shelby. And she told Nanny, she said, I want, and told her something. It wasn't but a minute. And she said, I want, and told her something else. And Sue said, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. That's all you say have said to me is I won't. <laughs> yeah, but there are the things that we want. But we need to understand when we walk with the Lord, He'll supply all our needs. And if there's ever been anything I wanted and didn't get it, it's because I didn't need it. And it might not have been good for me if I had it. And I tell parents all the time, don't dish out everything your kids want as they grow up. Don't do it. I've done seen too much of that. I've seen kids that grow up to adulthood thinking the world owes them everything because they, they've had it dished out, dished out, dished out, dished out. And you say, well, I, I believe that's a good, thing, a good thing to do, you know, to give them everything that they want. Well, it's not necessarily a good thing to give them everything that they want. And I tell parents all the time, it don't hurt to spoil your kids. 
Just spoil them and spoil them and spoil them as long as you discipline them, as you hold them accountable. Now, my boys will tell you this. Me and Sue, we done everything. I mean, we would, we, uh, you know, we spoil the daylights out of them. But I've told you the story about the switch on the refrigerator. <laughs> uh, and I didn't tell this. That's, that switch was on top of the refrigerator. And on Tim's 16th birthday, he mentioned, he said, Nanny, I think it's time you throw that switch away. I'm 16 years old. And we got it down, and it wouldn't have worked anyway. Just touch it, it'd break all the pieces. It had rotted. <laughs> it hadn't rot, dry rotted is what it done, you know. It wouldn't have done any good. But I didn't tell this part. I don't know whether you've ever seen this happen or not, but Sue has carried that switch to church, set them boys down in a pew, and lay that switch in the pew with them. I've seen her do it a bunch of times. And I tell you what, they'd sit there like little gentlemen. They never raised any ruckus or nothing. (laughs) Bless her heart. And you watch them. They're grown. They're grown men. And this makes me so mad. It makes me so mad I can't understand it. You watch Tim and Greg, they'll walk up to me and Sue and they'll just hug Sue and pat her on the back. And they don't even hardly acknowledge I'm around. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. It doesn't make me mad. It doesn't bother me a bit. But uh, I, told, I told somebody the other day, they told me that they thought they might have been too hard on their youngster. And I said, no, don't think that way. Don't think that way. As long as you do it right, do it according to the Bible. As long as you do it right, they'll grow up and respect you. Oh, I've seen so many times young people grow up and disrespect their parents. But if you make them walk a chalk and love the daylights out of them, they'll respect you for it. Well, I don't know how I got off on all that stuff, but anyway... That little sermonette didn't cost you nothing tonight. It just was a little extra that you got. So we're running out of time, and before I start another point, there's some critical truths about this fruit bearing that we can learn. Uh, we will go ahead and dismiss our services tonight, and I'll do one more uh, next Sunday night on this, and I will include in next Sunday night's mis- uh, minute, uh, message what he says here about being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. So when we learn what all the fruit is, and we learn that we are bearing that fruit, guess what? You can't take credit for it, because it's by Jesus Christ. Father, we praise you and thank you for this privilege we've had to address your word. I pray, O God, that you would hide that in our hearts, that you'd make it very real to us, that we'd not forget but we would uh, continue to seek ways that we might honor and glorify, that we might be to the praise and glory of our God. What an awesome motive to have. Now bless us as we sing this closing number. Bless it to your purpose and will for each of our lives. We humbly pray in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Now we-